Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in Hebrews chapter 1. Now, um, if you've been following with us, you know that yesterday we finished the, the last book in the New Testament we need to look at in terms of the whole book. But when all this started about a year ago, and we're right at the, the year mark, um, we started in the middle of Hebrews. And the reason was because uh, our church was working our way through the New Testament, and these devotions went along with those. And so... Um, so I, we picked up on the recording of the devotions right where our church was supposed to be reading. So what we need to do is look at the first seven um, chapters of Hebrews, and then we can officially say we've looked at every chapter of the New Testament. Well, it starts here in verse 1. Long ago at many times in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for his sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, we need to back up here and think about what is the book of Hebrews. Uh, I find it probably the most difficult book of the New Testament. Um, I know most would say Revelation, um, and certainly it's got its complication. Um, but Hebrews, in a nutshell, is a sermon. Um, it's, it's not your typical epistle, the way we think, think of them. It's, it's more likely a sermon written by an unknown author. Some say Paul or Timothy, or it wouldn't be Timothy, Luke or Apollos or Barnabas, someone like that. Uh, but someone associated with an apostle. Um, but the main theme is the supremacy of Christ um, and suffering. And what he's doing is he's saying that, yes, we, we recognize you are suffering for your faith, don't leave your faith for something that is more culturally acceptable. Rather, persevere in your suffering by considering the supremacy of Christ. And right from the beginning, this is what the writer does. Notice the language here. Uh, long ago, God spoke through the prophets. But now, in these last days, so Christians have always believed we're living in the last days. Um, because from the ascension of Christ, we're looking for his return. Uh, but in these last days, he has spoken not through prophets, but through his Son. The incarnated Word of God has come to be among us. And he has been appointed heir of all things, through whom he created the world. So, so what we have here in these opening four verses is a high Christology. He wants us to see who Christ is in his essence. So before we got... Uh, a message to the prophets. Now we hear from the Son of God Himself. He has come in these last days in His Son. And who is this Son? Well, first we see that He is the Creator. He's heir of all things. He's the Creator of all things. And then we see He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. Look, it is very clear that the early Christians believed that Christ was divine. It's very clear. Anyone who tells you otherwise is, is not paying attention. Those who say it was added later don't know anything about the New Testament. Hebrews is written, there's some debate as to when it's written, but it's written within, let's say, uh, 10 to the 30 years after the resurrection. So around the time you have the church uh, really blossoming, you, you have... Um, you have it clearly laid out that Christ is divine. Yes, he's human, all of that. But virtually every book of the New Testament affirms that this is the case. Um, and then he, he says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So 
he creates by his word, he upholds creation, he sustains creation by his creative word, and he is the exact representation of God. He is the heir of all things. And he goes on, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Why? Because he's done. So we see he is creator and redeemer. Maybe the two main things you need to see here. He's divine, he's savior, creator, redeemer. Right from the beginning, the writer of Hebrews wants us to see this. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, one of the difficult things about reading Hebrews is we're not the audience he was, the writer was originally writing to. The book is written to, spoiler alert, to Hebrews, right? That's where the, the book gets its title. And so he's writing to Hebrews who, who, came, who converted to Christianity but are now being tempted to go back because of suffering. And, and so the language is it's, it's saturated with Old Testament references and quotes and, and is clearly articulating um, for us the way the average Jew would speak. And so he starts here with us to consider Christ is superior, right? That's the first three verses, really four verses, is making that clear. Christ is superior. Within that, he starts by making his argument throughout the rest of the book, beginning with that Christ is superior to the angels. Now, we won't read his entire argument here, but he says here that though he became one of us, he's going to make that point in chapter 2, he has always been above the angels. He is the creator of all things, including the angels. And so he has verse at the verse at the verse, starting with their verse, verse 5, that God refers to him as his son. He says, which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? The answer is none. So you have the superiority of Christ above divine beings, other divine beings. Skip down to verse 10. It says, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. He, of course, is quoting from the Psalms. And here, this is, this is divine language of the Son that doesn't describe the angels. He goes on there at the last verse, verse 14. Are they not ministering spirits? It's, it's, it's the way we understand angels sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit the salvation. He says here, Jesus isn't a perpetual servant of the redeemed. He is the redeemer of the redeemed. He sends the angels to minister to us, those who will inherit this salvation. So he begins there that Christ is supreme, and and more directly, supreme to even the angels. Now, we don't have this sort of angelology today. It's around. Look, I've been in church life long enough to see that people want angel depictions all over the house because they think that brings them whatever. Well, Christ is superior to, to all of that. Why? Because he is creator. He is redeemer. So those first four verses of, the, of this book, I think, are sufficient enough for us to contemplate and to meditate upon for the health of our soul. Hope to see you guys here tomorrow.